The Gospel according to John, chapter 5. When you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say wait a minute. Amen. <laughs> amen. The Gospel according to John, chapter 5. Starting at verse 1. And would everyone please stand for the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. The gospel according to John chapter 5. Starting at verse 1. Amen. That's good, right there, to help each other along. Praise the Lord. Yes, he will. Praise his name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Gospel according to John, chapter 5, starting at verse 1, you will find these words. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise. Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. This afternoon... I just want to speak with you for a few moments from the thought. 38 years. 38 years. When we look at our text, 
we find that Jesus came to Jerusalem at the time of a feast of the Jews. It does not denote what feast it was because the feast is not important to this text. The writer John, his role in writing his gospel was to show that Jesus is God. And so this text shows us a man who was at the pool of Bethesda for 38 long years. Now when we look at this text, we see that he's in Jerusalem by the sheep gate at a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. We look at this story and we see that this great multitude was laying there. They had all kinds of issues. They were blind and sick and lame and paralyzing. But what were they doing? They were waiting for the moving of the water. Some theologians say that this particular text in many of the earlier manuscripts, this particular story or segment was not found there. It's clear, clear to understand the reason why it was not found there is because in the day of John, they would know why they were laying at the pool of Bethesda. They would understand that they were waiting for an angel to come down and stir the water. And this situation is one that can cause hopelessness for those who aren't the elite. Look at the story. There was a great multitude. But in that multitude, it does not delineate whether or not everybody there was poor, middle class, upper middle class, rich, wealthy. It does not say elite, paupers, princes, kings. It does not delineate that. But it says a multitude. And I look at this story and I see a problem for those who are weak and of less financial wherewithal. Because in the midst of this multitude, there has to be those who are sick who have great wealth. Because sickness has no respect of persons. Paralyzation does not just come on those who are poor, but also those who are rich. So this situation sets up a, a whole environment for um, sadness and, and a whole environment for people who just have given up hope. Look how long this man has been there. He's been there, what, 38 long years trying to get healed. But I look at this text and I realize that this man may be part of the poor crowd. And those who have been able to get in the pool when the angel came and stirred it were those who had financial wherewithal to bring about people to help them get in front of the line. Because nowhere in here does it talk about anybody necessarily keeping count of when somebody got there and putting them next in line. But we see in this text that something has gone wrong for this man. But some... Commentators said 
You know, after he'd been there so long, it seems strange that he might not have thought of some kind of way to get to be first in line. Well, when you don't have the resources that others have, even if you came up with a way, their resources could always overdo you. They could always have more people and more tools to get themselves to the front of the line and still leave you behind. It's not all that different in our country today. The elite get the privileges and the poor always get the short end of the stick. Even in all of the things that have been put forth for the poor to show that we're caring about you, usually what ends up happening on the backside of it is more trouble than good. Even our welfare system, the way it works, sits forth people who are in generations of depending on the government to take care of them instead of depending on God. It looks like a good thing, but on the backside, oh, so bad can it be. But we say, well, we got to help people. Sure we do. But we don't want to have people who are dependent on handouts. We want to teach people how to take care of themselves. And so we look at this text and we see where socioeconomic levels could have easily got this man at the position that he was in. After 38 years, he was still having trouble getting first and into the pool of water. So we look at this text and we see that now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there. Look at the text, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there, what, in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, as this man is working to get his healing from the water, the true healer shows up, and his name is Jesus. But when you have been going through and trying everything that you could do to get healed, your mind gets in a one-track state to where you think the only way that you can get your healing is by the way that you've been trying over and over again. Sometimes you need a break from that which you have always thought is the way that you would find your success. Sometimes we get caught up in schemes. We get caught up in the way that the world teaches us we are to succeed, what ladders we ought to climb, what ways we ought to be healed, what doctors we need to see. But Jesus comes on the scene to break down the things of the world, to break down the ways that man say and start to point people up to God. But the longer that we go through our situations and the longer that we try to do it our way, the harder it is to see the Lord. How, why do I say that? Well, let's look at the text. Jesus asked a poignant, clear question. Do you want to be made well? Verse 7 says, the sick man answered him, sir, 
I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now, isn't it interesting that the man answered Jesus, but he didn't answer Jesus' question. That is not what Jesus asked him. He didn't ask him, did he have a congressman that could help him get a law passed so that he could get help. He didn't ask whether or not he had some folks down at city council that could pull some strings and get him a contract so he could get some folks to help build him the tools he needed to get in the water first. He didn't ask him whether or not a doctor was there that could heal him just where he was or that a doctor could make move and make push people out of the way and move him to the water. He didn't say anything about any leaders who had pull that could pull him up to the front of the line and so he could dip his feet in the water. But he asked him simply, do you want to be made well? Jesus is asking us that all the time. But we're so used to doing things the way we've always done it. We come out of unregenerate lives that we already had a, a disadvantage in the way we were doing things then, scheming and trickery and everything else. Then we come into the household of faith and we become better but yet we're still looking for man to do for us that what only God can do. So we spend many days and many hours sweating and toiling over things that God already has the plan for. And God is speaking to us and asking us, do we want to be made well? We're saying and looking out and we're saying it's somebody else's fault. Instead of him... Answering God's question, he's pointing and saying, well, you know what? It's somebody else's fault. Somebody won't, won't help me do this or won't help me do that. They won't help me get to the pool. I mean, folks are faster than me and folks are more wealthy than me. And they're concerned about what everybody else is doing. We get in situations in our lives and we start looking that it's everybody else's fault. It's that person that we don't like and we believe don't like us. It's their fault I didn't get that promotion. It's their fault I didn't get that out. I didn't get that house because the lender didn't like me. The lender didn't want to help me. And now the Lord is saying, do you want shelter? But you're not answering the Lord. You're still looking at the things in this world. But that ain't nothing but a trick of Satan. There is not a man, woman, boy, or girl on this earth that has more power than God has. Amen. So God is saying to us, answer my question. Stop talking about what you're thinking about and listen to me and answer my question. If God comes to you and he says, do you want to be a manager if you're still first line? Then answer the question. Say yes. Don't worry about how. Don't worry about who might be in your way. That battle is the Lord's. All he wants you to do is say yes 
and believe that he can do it for you. The other night in Bible study, we were talking about how this life as a Christian is an exchange life. It's not about Jesus coming alongside our life. But the Bible says in Colossians 3 and 4 that Christ is our life. Christ wants to do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. And but so many times we're looking at what everybody else is doing. Let us learn to get our minds off of folk and get it back on Jesus. Because they ain't got no control over God. God has all control over them. The Bible says from the text we looked at two weeks ago that the government is on what? His shoulders. And what that means is that God has dominion over all things. So when we look at our text, we see even in the midst of this man's misdirection and answering God's question, what does Jesus say in verse 8? He says to him, rise, take up your bed, And walk. God gives us instructions to test our faith. He gives us instructions to test our faith. Now this man ain't walked in 38 years. Now you see he's got an issue with this whole situation because he's been in this state dealing with these folks so long that he couldn't even hear Jesus' question straight because his mind was so focused on the issues and the challenges that he's failed at all these years. But here in the midst of it, Jesus doesn't waste any time grappling with his mind about where his mind is. Jesus just moves him to, now take up your bed and walk. God is commanding us as well to believe in him and to act accordingly. See, that's what this text shows, that faith without works is dead. What if the man never took up his bed? What if when Jesus said, take up thy bed and walk, if he didn't do it, would he know he's healed? Even if he is healed, he would act like he wasn't because he didn't believe. But the text goes on to say, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. God is looking for us to hear God's promise to our lives and to move on it. When God says, I got that promotion for you, it don't matter who's in the position. You might say, well, Lord, there's this. There's this white guy that's in the position that, uh, you know, they, he's never going to be out of there. So, you know, I'm not going to be in that position. So you don't start acting like it. So you start walking around in the, in the state that you're in, not even acting as if you're going to receive it. But God says it's impossible to please God without faith. So if you expect something good from God, you got to believe it by what? Faith. But faith is an action word because the Bible shows us in Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. By faith Abraham believed God and it was counted to him righteousness. By faith Abraham offered up his only son 
Isaac. Knowing that the promises of God was that through him he'd be a father of many nations. But even though he couldn't see how the end was going to be, he knew that him and his son was going to return, even if God had to resurrect him from the dead. But that's how we got to be. When we look at our dead situations in our life and we look at promises, we look at hopes and dreams that have died on us. When God says it's going to be, we got to see him resurrected from the dead. We got to see God working even when we can't see how he's working. Because it's not for us to know the how, but it's for us to know the what. There's kids that have been wayward for decades and they don't even look like they're going to come to Christ. But if God said he's going to do it, then you keep believing it. You keep trusting, you keep praying, and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Because God is not a man that he should lie. But he will do what he says he will do. And it may not come when you want it, but he's always on time. He's, he does not like we count slackness. Because a day is to a thousand years is a thousand years is to a day with the Lord. So just keep trusting him. Stop looking at your circumstances and start looking at the Lord. Because you don't know what doors are out of your sight that he's about to open. But if you walk in faith and he sees you operating thusly, then he will show you things that you have never seen before. Eyes have not seen nor ears have heard the good things that the Lord has in store for those who love him. But this faith that we've got to walk in is not a faith by what we can see, but by a faith that we cannot see. By objects we cannot see. Faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. And the evidence of what? Things not seen. That's how we've got to live, saints. And when God gives us a commandment and he gives us a promise, you start acting like it immediately. Because God is working and he's just looking for you to move on it, that he be pleased and he starts to open those doors. Look at the man. He'd been there for 38 long years. Looked like he was going to die in that situation. But because by faith he acted on the command of God, immediately the man was healed. He took up his bed and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. I didn't read the further text in here, but what, I, what you find out is in because it was the Sabbath, there was those haters that was all around him. There was those Pharisees and those Sadducees who came saying, you healed on the Sabbath. What are you doing picking up your bed on the Sabbath? See, that's how haters are. Haters don't care nothing about your success. They don't care nothing about how good God's been to you, how you've come out of a situation of bondage, how you've been made well, but they're looking at their own laws and their own stickler points so that they can take you down. And that's all we see here. We see some selfish haters who looked at this man and said, well, wait a minute, you ain't obeying our laws. See, they ain't studying God and they ain't studying your success. But you got to look past them and you got to walk in the Lord because when you would do good, evil is what? Always present. So don't worry about it. If evil is present, that's good because it's a sign that God is working in your life. Let the haters keep on hating, but let you keep on trusting in the Lord. 
Keep on walking in him. Keep on seeing the salvation of the Lord. Keep on watching the doors open up that you cannot see. Keep watching the bridges over troubled water. Keep watching him toil through mountains that you couldn't go through. He can do the impossible. He can do things that's impossible with man to do. So saints of God be encouraged today. Be encouraged in this story and realize that we have to watch and guard our hearts. Because this world can beat you down. This world can make you believe that you've got to go a certain way and do a certain thing when God has a whole other path for you to reach your destination. You don't know who God's going to bring into your life. You don't know what he's going to do and where he's taking you. When a situation looks bad and it looks dismal and it looks like there's no hope, but God. Because this man looked like no hope. 38 years, he still ain't got into the pool. But Jesus. And the same Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. So be encouraged, saints. Trusting in the Lord. And it said that it was on the Sabbath day. On the day of rest. That's important to know because Jesus don't want you toiling. He wants you to rest. He wants you to rest in him in confidence in knowing that he will deliver you from whatever situation that you're in. He said that he would be with you even until the end of the world. David said, he said, I was once young and now I'm old. I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. So when all of our stuff is run out, as far as we can see, we know God ain't counted out. Amen. So keep on trusting. I don't care what walls are in your way. God has the power to tear down walls. He tore down the wall of separation between the Father and the unregenerate people. Surely he can tear down the walls of jobs and finances and health and and relationships. He can tear all that down in the name of Jesus. And so I want to open the doors of the church for anyone here who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You've heard these words that I've spoken about this man at the pool of Bethesda. You've heard how Jesus stepped into his life. And if you don't have Jesus in your life right now, you can let him step in today. Jesus paid the price for us all on that old rugged cross over 2,000 years ago. They put nails in his hand and nails in his feet. But they didn't take his life. He gave it freely. He gave it so that you could have a new life. Instead of you taking on the condemnation and on the penalty of sin, he took it on for you. They buried him in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he got up with all power in his hand. You won't be serving a dead Jesus, but one who yet lives. And he is crying out to everyone who does not know him to come. To come and to be in his comfort. To come and know his love. To come and know his power in your life. To come and know his direction. So that you don't be lost out here in this world. That you don't have no direction. Jesus gives direction. You don't have any comfort. Jesus gives comfort. You don't have any power to do or wisdom. Jesus gives it. But you got to come to him. He's done it all for you. He's already paid the price. All you got to do is say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and live in me. 
Because I can't do life on my own. I need a savior. One that can make a change in my life that I can be walking right instead of walking left. Today is the day of salvation. Why don't you come today? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Just now. Just now. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Just now. He there's still plenty of good room. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And now at this time, let us stand for our benediction. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see so many of our young people in our family here in New Zion here today. Good to see Sister Selena back. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see my daughter here this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. For he is worthy. Amen. Amen. Well, if all hearts and minds are clear. Amen. Where he leads me. another day in your word. Lord, continue to bless us with the abilities that only come from you, O God. 
Lord, give us a passion and a desire to reach out, Master, in the power of your Holy Spirit to affect lives for the gospel's sake. Lord, that men, women, boys, and girls may come running saying, what must I do to be saved? Lord, that we build God's community, O oh God. Lord, and that it grow and that the jewels of your crown continue to increase. Lord, we love you and we lift you up. You have all the honor and all the praise. Lord, and keep everyone under the sound of my voice, O oh God, as we go to our prospective homes. Lord, wrap them in your loving arms of protection and keep them from all hurt, harm, and danger. And Lord, as we give out of that which you have given us, O oh God, Lord, I ask that you bless each offering, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. But don't stop there, Master. Bless those who have it not to give. Lord, that they be able to give at another time. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen.